Here, there, and everywhere. SAFM 104.6 FM in Kimberley. Tweet at SFM Radio and at Patricia N. Dooley. Social Conversations. It's uh, 35 minutes after uh, 10. I remember that at 11 o'clock on the dot, um, we're going to have the final news uh, bulletin given to us by Greg Ho. So make sure you are tuned in. And straight after that, we get into the closet. You know it's going to be saucy because Sari Cohen is going to be joining us right now. It's time for us to get into the Mindful Wednesdays. And you know as an A-teamer, I always enjoy this time of our program. Midweek slump, we don't know what that is here on the A-team. We believe that we can uplift ourselves uh, mentally. So that's why we call these sessions Mindful Wednesdays. This evening we're talking mental health. We are joined by Chief Executive Officer of Mindful Revolution, Rufilo Nyoni. Rufilo, thank you very much for joining us. Good evening. Patricia, thank you so much for having me as a part of this uh, important conversation and uh, thank you for having me here. So we are talking mental health and earlier on uh, when we were, I was starting the show, I spoke about the fact that, you know, Everywhere, social media, amongst ourselves, in our little circles, mental health has become a topic. But I don't see people or hear people talking about mental health in the first person. We are not looking at our own mental health. We're not checking on ourselves, but we are looking at telltale signs in other people and trying to be uh, the saving grace for other people. Is this the correct approach to take when it comes to mental health? Well, just like with everything else, you know, to outsource any sort of conversation that really should exist within ourselves is uh, definitely not the correct approach and possibly not the healthiest. But we do live in a society where everything is on the external, maybe not everything, but many things. We see social media, uh, we see the rise of reality shows where instead of leading or living our own lives, we are sitting on our couches and watching others do the same. So just like with many things in life, I definitely don't think that the conversation around mental health should be outward focused. We really should be uh, pointing more to ourselves and recognizing that this is something that is real for each and every one of us. So uh, to describe mental health, how would we describe it? Because others uh, feel that uh, there's mental health because you are now going to a mental institution and then you've got an issue. Uh, but other than that, everything else is above board. So let's, let's describe it and not only just give a textbook name for it, but also give a, a, an analogy, an analogy of what a person with that particular mental health um, condition would be behaving like. All right, so I will give a, a brief textbook analogy, which mm-hmm. is not so much textbook, but I think it was the first Director General of the World Health Organization, uh, Dr. Brock Chisholm. He said that uh, without mental health, there can be no true physical health, right? So we know and we understand that good mental health It's not about feeling happy and confident 100% of the time and ignoring any challenges or problems that we may be facing in life, but it's rather about living and coping well despite the challenges and the problems that we face in life because we have to admit life is full of complexities, life is full of problems, and it really is the nature of life. Now, also, mental health and mental illness are not the same thing. 
And in the course of a lifetime, not all people will experience a mental illness, but um, each and every one of us will have a struggle or a challenge with um, our mental health, just like we have struggles and challenges with our physical health. And an analogy I like to use, right, is, you know, if I asked you whether you brushed your teeth this morning, uh, whether or not you did, you would say, yes, I brushed my teeth because it's embarrassing to say that you didn't. So even if you aren't going anywhere, you brush your teeth in the morning, you do so at night uh, because we've all been educated on the importance of dental hygiene and also how to achieve it. As it relates to our physical health, we understand the benefits of exercise. We know that exercise is good for us, and we all have forms of exercise that we're at least aware of, and we're also aware of how we're able to partake in those forms of exercise. And we also understand that nutrition is a key component of achieving good physical exercise. Now, mental health and self-care is more than just dental and physical health. So just like we understand calories in the food sense of the word, what about our mental and emotional calories? So how are we digesting these? How do we work on the weight of what we are consuming mentally and emotionally? So how do we help ourselves to train our emotional and mental muscles? I mean, I, I got uh, the tail end of your conversation with Nomonde, and, you know, she very rightly said that we're all carrying a lot of things in our lives. So, you know, we have load shedding right now. We understand what load shedding is. Uh, we understand that when the power supply is... Um, you know, taking too much pressure, uh, an imminent black, a blackout is imminent rather. And the same happens for us in our daily lives. We are carrying many, many challenges. We are carrying our um, home lives, our personal lives. We're carrying our work lives, uh, how we have to show up in terms of resilience in that level. And so, you know, someone who's having mental health it, um, challenges is someone who is not able to process what they're experiencing, right? So when we start to feel extremely stressed and our stress is in overdrive, when we start to get ill, when we start to experience things like a severe migraines, and also when our physical health starts to take a knock, we generally know when we're not feeling well mentally. Now, now that we have a better understanding of mental health and, um, you know, the, the various aspects of it, let's talk about the impact that COVID-19 pandemic has mm-hmm. had on our mental health. Uh, my goodness. I, I mean, I know now we, we are a bit used to this new normal, but two years ago, 2020, we, we were all in array. Have we gone over that uh, mental um, instability because I think we were we didn't know what was happening. So I know I I felt anxious most of the time because you don't know what's happening. You scientists don't know what's happening. Schools close and then shops are closing. And you know it was just <laughs> too much. So how has um, COVID nineteen pandemic impacted on our mental health as a society? You know, March twenty twenty happened, or you know, April twenty twenty happened, and we all woke up to a somewhat complicated world. And it goes without saying that uh, we've experienced one of the greatest challenges of our lifetimes. I I certainly hope that it's been one of the greatest challenges of our lifetimes and there isn't more to come. And like you rightly say, we've all adapted to a new way of living, a new way of working, a new way of being, but it wasn't a necessarily thing to adjust to and to adapt to. So we experienced loss, loss in, uh, in forms of physical life, So people lost loved ones. We experienced loss in terms of people losing employment. We experienced loss in terms of 
having to cancel plans, the things that we had to do. We weren't able to engage in our social lives, which is such an important factor in us being a mentally healthy people. And I think that that was just the, the beginning of a process. Now we seem to be heading towards some sort of new normal, as we call it. Uh, it's taken some time, what we thought would be 21 days of isolation. Uh, we're well within our, our second year of doing so. And now we have to adjust again. And we have to adjust again that we're to a world that we're no longer necessarily used to. You know, we see um, with our clients, the people that we work with, that a hybrid way of working is starting to emerge. And people are anxious. You know, people are anxious about what the workplace now looks like. People are anxious about what social settings look like. People are anxious about, you know, traffic. Uh, We have to find our way through traffic again. And these are new challenges that we're now facing, which in some ways are are old challenges. So there's been financial insecurity. There's a lot of fear. And with all change comes uh, the fear, which is quite natural with things not being the way that uh, we had now been accustomed to them being. And, you know, with every change that we experience and with every fear that we experience, our mental health is impacted. And our mental health is a, a fundamental way for us to measure how resilient we feel. And uh, one of the key things that we can definitely do for ourselves is firstly to recognize that every day we are fighting unforeseen battles that we don't necessarily acknowledge. So it's acknowledging that. It's also recognizing that uh, stress has been classified as a health epidemic of the 21st century. So the general level of worry and unhappiness in the modern world is creating an epidemic of stress. So that's also a part of our new normal. It's also to recognize that um, our self-care has to be a priority. And that can mean varied things for for, for all of us. You know, for for someone like me, self-care could be Um, taking a walk and just completely shutting out. For someone else, self-care could be uh, putting down the phone and unplugging. It's by definition, we have to find and we have to be able to define what it means for us to uh, take care of ourselves. As you said at the beginning of the conversation, we tend to outsource what something should look like. So, you know, we have a responsibility now to recognize that we are rushing back to whatever we call as a new normal. And before we rush back to that, we have to consider which parts of the new normal are worth uh, rushing back to, right? Or which parts of life that we thought uh, we loved are worth rushing back to. You know, my dad used to say that um, as human beings, we have a tendency of overcoming without necessarily learning. So yes, we are super resilient. We're able to overcome many things. But what are some of the learnings that we have taken during this time of isolation, um, of lockdown, and how can we carry that forward to ensure that we're not just moving forward without taking the necessary learnings and um, adapting that to our lives? So there's a message here. I'm going to read it from one of our A-teamers. Um, and our A-team is just saying, you know, what an awesome topic, Patricia. Good evening to you and the guest. I recently discovered that I've got, um, um, yeah, I, I get irritated very easily and I eat less. I isolate myself. I talk less and become moody at any given time. I download depression apps, questionnaires, yet also reach out to the helpline. They were so unhelpful and made all sorts of excuses other than to assist. I visit my doctor. He diagnosed me with depression. Now, the modeling industry is tough and uh, became more uh, tougher. Uh, we are runway models when we can't afford private doctors anymore. I think the mm-hmm. helpline should be more helpful. 
and and you know I f- I feel for this A teamer, and I'm grateful that the A teamer has been very open to us, Rufili, mm-hmm. open and uh, you know vulnerable to, to everyone listening in South Africa right now. But I understand what they are going through. That you know sometimes you don't get the help that you need to get. So when a person is faced with so much anxiety and depression and they can't afford to see a doctor because of their finances, how else can they get help? You know, I think there are various things that we can do. I mean, there are definitely a few um, helplines. You've noted uh, one that wasn't very helpful, but there are some free resources that we have, some incredible resources in this country. We have the South African Depression and Anxiety Group and a few more that I can share with you to to share with the ACMA uh, following this session. I think another thing that has been quite difficult for people is the challenge of uh, being disconnected from our social settings, from the people that we love, and not necessarily being able to plug into those. And I think, you know, very key is to for her to connect with the people who understand her challenges. So those are her peers, those are our contemporaries within the modeling industry. I think it's also key for her to uh, find something that works for her. So like I said, you know, we have different challenges and there are a lot of solutions. So sometimes there are too many solutions that we don't really know which one is the correct one for us. Um, I'd be happy to assist her to unpack um, and to direct her into, you know, where she could find uh, help that was most beneficial for her. Uh, so you're free to share her, my contact details with her. But I really think it's about finding something that is uh, that works for you. And that is not just related to, let's say, organizations that can be of assistance. So what are the things on a daily basis for you that help you to feel sane, that help you to feel uh, a lot more settled, and how can you do more of that? What are the things, the emotional baggage that you're carrying? How can you sit down with your emotions? How can you name it to tame it, as we say in the mindful world, and really just have a conversation with some of the things that you're experiencing, some of the things that you're feeling? Um, How can you um, unpack the luggage and the baggage of the things that you're carrying on a daily basis? And sometimes it's not so much about us reaching out to other people, but it's about us having an honest and courageous conversation with ourselves that really answers the question. You know that question that we get every day? We say to people and they say to us, how are you, how are we? But how often do we really sit down and unpack how we are feeling? How often is the opinion of how we are an informed opinion? And how often do we really uh, sit to process our feelings rather than to protect them? So I think it's about finding a solution that works for you. It's about taking time to celebrate the small successes that you have on a daily basis. So yes, life is challenging, but in many ways we're doing so well and we don't necessarily acknowledge that, so that is important. It's also about tapping into gratitude. So what are the things in your life uh, that make you feel amazing? How can you find ways to sit, to journal, and to be more present for for that? So I think that kind of thing also helps in intangible aspects of how we can help ourselves alleviate and relieve ourselves from the pressure of our daily life. Uh, let's talk about mindfulness. Um, a lot of people uh, don't even consider mindfulness as part of our lives. They think it's some sort of spiritual practice or some religious, you know, emotional practice. What is mindfulness and what role does it play in our mental health? So mindfulness can be defined as quite a few things. But one of my favorite definitions of mindfulness is that 
It is the quality or the state of being mindful, as well as the practice of maintaining a non-judgmental state of uh, awareness of our thoughts, of our emotions, and our experiences on a moment-to-moment basis. So basically, mindfulness is about our ability to be present in the moment. And if we can be present in the moment, we can have a heightened sense of self-awareness, which means that we can be more aware and more um, able to to process some of the experiences that we're we're experiencing, right? Um, Mindfulness is definitely not a spiritual practice. It's not linked to uh, any religion. I think there's um, age-old, you know, just in terms of lineage, yes, you know, mindfulness practices um, have been religious in the past, but we find it making its way into mainstream medicine. In fact, there was a friend of mine who recently graduated in medicine, and he was sharing that in one of his textbooks as um, part of uh, remedies for stress, mindfulness practice was, um, was, was highlighted as one of the ways that we can remedy stress. Now, how mindfulness can help us with mental health is firstly the recognition that our mental health is a key indicator of how we are able to be resilient, right? It influences how we think, it influences how we feel and how we show up in our daily life. And the practice of mindfulness also does the same. It influences how we think, how we feel, and how we show up in our daily lives. So, you know, really understanding that mindfulness practice, which comes in various ways, it can be a breathing practice. It can be a journaling practice. It can be just stretching your body. But it really is about presence. How many of the things that we are doing on a daily basis are we fully present for? How often are we eating and maybe watching something or eating and reading? How many moments are we actually there for? So, you know, mindfulness is the key to encouraging us to be present, uh, to remove the clutter uh, that we have in our minds, to create space within our minds, to be able to uh, feel less stressed, to be able to um, release the amygdala, which is the fear center of the brain, to be able to release ourselves from our fight or flight responses and put us into a better state of um, rest and digest. So it's also based on the science of neuroscience, which tells us that our brain, when stressed, is in a state of fight or flight, and our prefrontal cortex, which is um, responsible for the executive functions of the brain, then becomes suppressed and the fear sensor takes place. So in the practice of mindfulness, the practices that we do that help to wire the brain to, um, to, to start to... Um, decrease the fear center and to increase the prefrontal cortex. So it's not just the fluff of kumbaya and let's sit and meditate. Um, It really has impact on our brain. And this is centered around a concept known as neuroplasticity. And that's understanding that just as our bodies change shape, depending on what we what we eat and, um, and how we exercise, uh, our brains do the same. So our brains change shape depending on what we think and how we think. So, you know, I like to refer to mindfulness as being the inner MBA. Now, we know that the MBA is much more than a degree in business. It is designed to help people and professionals deal with the complex aspects of the professional world. So just like mindfulness, it doesn't change the world. But what it does do is help us to be able to navigate the world in more helpful ways. So mindfulness helps us to be more present. It helps us to unplug from um, the way that we think. So, you know, they say that we think uh, 80 to 90 percent of the same thoughts each and every day. So each and every day we are recycling our thoughts. So there's very little room for innovation. There is very little room for clarity 
and there's very little room for us to experience a variety of thoughts, which means that we're experiencing a less of a variety of, of emotions as well. So, Rufuda, I've got a question here from our A-teamer who's asking, how does one know if they have a mental disorder? Because it's said some are, um, some are, and you might have one, but not know it. Does your, do you book yourself with a psychiatrist? Uh, so this is the question from our A-teamer who's in uh, airport view. All right. Thank you so much for the question because I think it's an important one. And uh, as I expressed earlier, that there is definitely a difference between mental health and mental well-being and mental illness, right? So the first port of call would be to visit your general practitioner who would then refer you to a psychologist or psychiatrist who would then be the one to um, to advise you on whether there is a mental illness or whether it's a mental well-being a challenge. So the important thing is to know that self-diagnosis is not the way to go. It's so important that uh, we we find the, the right channels to, to, to to be able to navigate what exactly the challenge is. So is it a mental illness? Is it a mental well-being issue? Um, so, so using those, those, those modes to be able to identify that. So, Rafilwe, when it comes to us, uh, you know, making sure that we are coping, especially with um, COVID-19, where there are still some uncertainties globally, how can, what, what, what pointers can you give us to help us to cope? as individuals, as families, as community? Yeah. I think firstly, as individuals, is really the acknowledgement of your state of being, really the acknowledgement of your feelings and your experiences. So the first step is allowing your experience to be legitimate. We heard from the A-teamer who is very vulnerable about what they're experiencing, very vulnerable about uh, the challenges that they're facing. So that is the first step. So talking about your feelings can help you to, you know, not necessarily stay in good mental health, but also be able to navigate the troubled times. So talking to people that you trust, uh, finding people that you can talk to who can help you, but also making sure that the people that you do talk to are ones that can assist you. Uh, secondly, is making sure that we are keeping active in whatever way that we enjoy. Now, for me, I uh, don't enjoy gym so much. I, I like walks. I'm, I'm a big yogi, so that is my regular form of exercise. And, you know, regular exercise can boost how we feel about ourselves. It can boost our concentration. It can improve our sleep patterns and help us to feel better. So exercise is an important thing because it keeps the brain and our other vital organs healthy. It's also significant uh, towards benefiting and improving our mental health. What we eat is also important. So our brains need a mix of nutrients in order to stay healthy. So making sure that what we're eating is really sustaining our bodies. And we can tell this, not even necessarily by following any specific diet, but watching the food that you eat, how do you feel after you consume certain foods? Does it increase your energy? Does it decrease your energy? Is it beneficial for you? And in order to do this, you really have to be mindful. And by this, I mean you really have to be present when you're eating. So just taking the time to have your meals on your own without being too distracted so you can focus and and see, you know, really how am I feeling when I'm eating this? How am I feeling when I'm eating that? Um, also, I think, you know, alcohol consumption is a huge thing in our society, um, more specifically the South, Af- South African society. So I think it's important that we ensure that we are drinking sensibly. 
that we ensure that we're not making worsening situations for ourselves by the kind of guilt that we create when we've had a little too much to drink and don't act and behave too well because these things can help us um, well, they can ex- exacerbate our, our mental health issues and challenges. But also, drink- drinking is not a good way for us to manage uh, difficult feelings and emotions. We have to find other ways to process our emotions. And I think especially now in a community-deficient society where uh, in many ways we haven't seen people, in many ways um, we don't li- really live amongst people, it's finding ways to connect, whether it's with your colleagues, whether it's with your family members, whether it's with your friends check in on someone and also allow people to check in on you. And when they do, be honest in your conversation. When someone asks you how you're feeling, don't just say I'm fine, don't just say I'm good. Really open up and say that this is how I'm feeling today, this is how my day was, and allow yourself to um, express and unpack some of the things that you're going through. And I think the final one, make sure that you breathe. You know, breathing is such an important thing. It is essential for our human life, but it's also a powerful, powerful, mindful tool. Breathing, deep breaths, just for a minute, can completely change our state of mind and our state of how we're feeling physiologically as well. Rufili, I'm going to humbly ask you that you stay with us. I need to quickly go to the news with Greg Hose, but I've got an A-teamer who's been holding uh, to engage with you and also some messages. Is that okay with you? That's absolutely fine. Thank you. We'll continue with the conversation after 11. A-teamers, 11 o'clock on the dot. Like I said, Greg Close is in the news booth, ready to give you the final roundup of the news for the day. Good evening, Greg. Late Night Conversations. Late Night Conversations. Monday to Thursday, 10 p.m. till midnight. Social Conversations. It's five minutes after 11 here on 104 to 107 Nationwide. And we are still um, in our Mindful Wednesday uh, topic, Talking Mental Health. Our guest is Chief Executive Officer uh, of Mindful Revolution, Rufilo Nyoni. Rufilo, thank you very much for your patience and staying with us. No worries. I'm still here. I've got Anonymous on the line who's been patiently waiting. Good evening, ATM Anonymous. Uh, good evening, guys. Um, I prefer to be anonymous. Um, uh, I'd like to uh, seek an advice. Um, the reason why I I, I, would, I would like to remain anonymous is that the matter that I'm going to make a point on is for the bargaining council. Um, I was employed in, in the public service, and I happened to resign, and I was diagnosed with a major depression. After some couple of days, I withdrawn my 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 resignation, but the employer declined to to accept my withdrawal of my resignation uh, because I was taking the reasons that because I was not in the right in the right state of mind. But as I've indicated, the matter is before the bargaining council, so I need an advice on the matter uh, because the employer now is refusing a lack of a better way. To accept my withdrawal from, from uh, of my resignation, how can I go about that matter? And 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 I'll highly appreciate and I'll listen from the radio. An- anonymous, anonymous. I'd like you to stay on the line in case our guest Rufile would uh, like to have follow up questions okay, with okay. you. 
Yeah. Rufilwe, we're here anonymous and I'm grateful uh, that he's opened up to us with what he's facing. He's been very vulnerable, but he's facing such a, a big issue. Patricia, I would have to ask for you to repeat what anonymous said. I wasn't hearing very clearly, so perhaps you can paraphrase and uh, share the, the challenge with me. All right. I'm, I'm not going to paraphrase. I'm going to allow him to come back on again because it's better okay. from his mouth because he's uh, gone through an issue of depression, right? All right. Uh, so my challenge is that I, I, I'm not, it's not very audible on my side. Okay. Uh, um, let me try to be audible. Am I audible enough? I can hear you, yes. All right. So Anonymous, I'll try listen I'm, carefully. Yeah. Anonymous, I'm going to ask you to just keep it brief. Um, go, go straight to the point. I know okay, it's, quite, so. it's quite an issue and be as loud as possible. In a public service. I was employed in a public service and I had a challenge with major depression, uh, which I was not aware of. I resigned. And after resigning, uh, I, I consulted with a psychologist. The psychologist advised me to withdraw the, withdraw the, the resignation. Um, which I did, and within the public service, you are allowed to do that. And I informed the employer that basically this is the condition that I was in uh, when I was making the resignation, and then I withdrawn the resignation. But the employer is refusing to accept the resignation. Uh, but the, my resignation was due to uh, the mental health challenges, which is a major depression. Hence, uh, refusal indicated that when you are depressed or when you are using the mental health challenges, you won't be able to process what is happening and you won't know how are you feeling. How can I go about this matter? I hope yeah. I hope I'm, I make sense. Okay, Anonymous, I think I've heard you well. And uh, from my perspective, I just say, you know, firstly, uh, thank you for this very important question. Thank you for opening up um, about your challenges because I don't think that um, it's a challenge that you're experiencing on your own. There might be someone else who needed to hear this as well. Um, secondly, in terms of advice and how to move forward, um, for me it sounds like it might be a legal challenge. Um, it might have some legalities, which I, it's not my, um, my, my expertise or, or what I'm all saying. Um, were you asking um, how to approach this, the, the, the situation in terms of um, your, your employer not um, and not accepting your resignation? No, no, accepting my withdrawal. So this is definitely not something that I have dealt with before, but Anonymous, I'd be happy for uh, the team at SAFM to share um, my contact details with you and I can see how I can assist you um, to remedy this or find some sort of resolution. It may not be me who helps directly, but I can uh, definitely find someone who can point you in the right direction. Oh, okay. Thank you very much. Thank you. Right. Thanks, Anonymous. Thank you, Anonymous, uh, for opening up to us. And uh, Brabenzito will definitely give you Rufilwe's number. Rufilwe, I'm, I'm glad that you're open and willing to assist our A-teamers, even if it's beyond your scope of, uh, you know, legal issues. But sometimes just to have someone on your side, you know, like Anonymous, having someone on their side, rooting for them, giving them direction in order for them to feel within, you know, as if they're within the greater community is much needed. And for that, I appreciate you. And I think it's such an important thing for us to do for one another, even if we don't necessarily know the answers to questions, the resolutions to things, 
let's just listen and let's just see what we can do. I mean, we've seen in the media uh, the rise of suicides. We've seen um, people who are really having struggles in terms of a conversation they're not necessarily um, able to have. So it might not be necessarily about a mental health illness or challenge, but let's talk to one another more and let's listen to one another more as well. I'm going to go to some uh, messages here before we wrap up. This one is from uh, Miss N in Soweto who says, Good evening, Manduli. Whenever I'm uh, going through a rough patch in life, I've learned not to wait for people to reach out to me, but rather reach out to them and find the one person who really lends an ear to my outcry. Not to close myself out from people, and that has been very helpful. This one is a question. It says, hi, Patricia, and your guest, how do those who find themselves overwhelmed by anxiety, panic, fear, etc., what do they do? So I think there are different ways that we um, adapt. I think we're not necessarily the same, but... You know, um, my colleague, Mark Joseph, um, he shared something on LinkedIn today, which I thought uh, was, was a really wonderful way that outlines how we can deal with things like anxiety and panic attacks. And he shared one of his own experiences, and he said that when he had his panic attack, the best thing for him to do was firstly to try not to make a big deal about what he was going through. You know, worrying um, worsens what you're going through, and it also it feels the fire of uh, the challenge that you're experiencing. So... You know, it's really hard because what we deal with seems so real in the moment. But how can we take a moment just to step back, just to pause, and maybe to sit with our challenge rather than going into anxiety mode, right? So I earlier said that um, a big term that we use in, in the mindful world is name it to tame it, right? So can you sit with your emotions? As you watch emotions rise, can you label it? Can you say, okay, I'm feeling afraid, or okay... I'm feeling insecure or, okay, um, I'm feeling scared. You know, if we can sit with our emotions and welcome them rather than push them away and labeling as in, as good or bad, it gives us uh, just that, um, that gap where we can process a little bit more. Um, it's also important that you make those around you aware that you are feeling anxious. So sometimes things can worsen because we're feeling anxiety And then I talk to Patricia, who's not necessarily um, aware that I'm feeling anxiety, and uh, their reaction to me fuels more anxiety. So the communication of how you are feeling in that moment is important, and this is what my colleague Mark Joseph shared in his LinkedIn post. Um, He says, you know, and I've said this before, breathing. You know, breathing, breathing, breathing is important. The way that we breathe can change our state of being. It can change how we feel. So breathing slowly, breathing calmly as much as possible, which may not seem uh, very possible when we're in panic mode, but just the effort of that can really help our demeanor. And also, you know, don't force yourself to think differently. So don't force yourself to say, I need to be positive. I need to feel okay about this. It is important that how you feel is acknowledged and that it's legitimate and that you use that as a moment of self-awareness rather than a moment of punishing yourself and trying to coerce yourself in a different direction that does not feel uh, very natural right now at that moment. And I also think, you know, something that I, I really enjoy and it's something that we're not familiar with. I see in the sessions that I do with um, some of our clients that, you know, people are not used to acknowledging and celebrating themselves. So even when we're expressing gratitude, we, we hardly ever express gratitude for ourselves. 
it's always external. You know, it's always I'm grateful for the weather or I'm grateful for the food, I'm grateful for etc. But what are some of the qualities in you that you can be grateful for in that moment? Maybe it's just to say to yourself, okay, I'm grateful that I'm aware that I'm having a panic attack and I can acknowledge myself for that. I'm grateful that I feel a little bit better than the last time that I did. So just finding ways to celebrate um, how we are able to be there for ourselves is is important. And uh, realizing the impermanence of everything, right? They say that changes are only constant and uh, nothing lasts forever. Apparently only true love does. Um, But realizing that this moment will pass and when it does, um, you will be okay. On that note, uh, Rufilo, thank you very much for joining us and extending your time so graciously. Could you please give us the contact details for our A-teamers who might need to engage with you at Mindful Revolution? Sure. So my email address is Rufilo, spelled R-E-F-I-L-O-E, at mindfulrevolution.io. So Rufilo at mindfulrevolution.io. Excellent. Thank you so very much for joining us. We've really appreciated your time. Thank you so much for this opportunity.